So here's what happened as a proud member of the Boido podcast community. Hey, y'all. Welcome back and happy new year. It is I, Nisha, and this is So Here's What Happened. And as always, I am joined by my lovely co-host. Carolyn. <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> it's the way you looked at the dog. You know what? It's fine. Introduce Yoko, too, because she is a co-host. This, hey, everyone. We have a new co-host today. My dog, Yoko, exclamation mark. Oh, she's was quiet, legit quiet. <laughs> it's the way you looked over at her and you just like you better not and then she did it you know what she's the new co-host of the team i love it Fine. Just a minute. two barks two barks if you agree what i'll put you outside you want to go in the living room you did this on purpose you're quiet and she wants to make her debut she gotta make her debut a little she has to use, use her inside voice Oh my gosh. I'll be back. I'll be back. Just me, everyone. Okay. Uh, All right. Well, we are back now. So now that y'all have met Yoko, who had to leave. Oh, no, I love that. One day she'll be a part of our podcast fully. And we can just ask her two barks for good, one bark for no. You used to use her inside voice. Mm-hmm. It's all good. Uh, but yes, yeah, so we are back and we are excited to, you know, get into all the things we have watched and read. As y'all have known, if y'all follow me and Carolyn online in the spaces, it's been a busy last few months for us. Different things are going on. Um, Carolyn's doing her thing. Mm-hmm. Just covering all the film festivals and getting all the interviews, which I'm so proud of you, girl. And also, I'm just going to get this out of the way now because I know I will forget at the end when we usually share news. I wrote a script. Yay! I wrote a script and I'm very proud of it. It's a script about anime and manga and otaku culture. And it's so, by now, I'm, I'm finally able to tell everybody this. So y'all, I would love it if everyone could watch it when the episode does air. I wrote a script for PBS digital series, um, Subcultured. It is, it is hosted by Joseph Lorenzo. And basically each episode, he explores different cultures that people may not know much about. They're not exactly part of mainstream culture, but as we know, when it comes to anime, manga, fan and otaku fan culture, that is something that we, we have been seeing a shift over the last 20 decades. And I had the immense pleasure and honor of writing that script for that episode. So I'm very happy for y'all to see what my first script looks like and when it comes out and I will be sure to share the date once I have that information but watch the other series because I really was impressed with the first one that they did about accessibility and gaming like dude is a blind gamer who is kicking everybody's butts and I think his story is amazing so yeah I just want to get that out the way before I forget I'm so (laughs) proud of you thank you thank you so proud of you I know, right? Whew. Regardless of the pandemic or not. I know. Say pandemic, you can't stop us. You cannot. We are going to thrive. But let's go ahead and dive into, um, you know, everything that we've watched and read. Would you like to go first? Yes. So um, we're going we're to do films as usual and then we go because if you are new to listening mm-hmm. to series that happened we break it down into sections we do films tv shows then books so mm-hmm. this so we'll start with films 
And um, I covered the Sundance Film Festival for January. So I saw a bunch of films. I'm not sure how many. I didn't see as many as I normally would because I've just been super tired mm-hmm. because life has it for me. I got my second bout of COVID like at Christmas, my second COVID infection. So I was like super tired. So I wasn't able to watch all the films I wanted to watch. I think I watched mm, maybe 19 or 20 feature films and five short films so but I'll, mm. i'm not gonna go through all of those of course not um but i'll just mention um a couple of my favorites um and two of my favorites was one called i'm nanny written and directed by nikiatu jusu and this is her first feature film so she's done a short film before titled suicide by sunlight uh, which is a really to me a really well done short film and it's about black vampires so, you know, if you think about Blade, but mm-hmm. think about Blade, but like a bit more realistic, it's not like it's not like a superhero kind of right. story. It is fit into like the Marvel world. This is just like, but and the thing is, they're not, you're not told that they're vampires, but when you follow the story, you realize, oh, wait, mm-hmm. this is a story about black vampires. And it's, and it's about um, how the, our skin, our melanin is what allows black vampires to be able to live outside to function outside so it's a really cool concept and i believe you can find the short film you can find the short film i think it's still on vimeo but if you go to the saturday night sci-fi playlist i'll provide a link for that in the blog notes for on the by the podcast page um you'll I'll provide the link for that because we did like tweet it last year um october for a part of our um sci-fi shorts mini festival and that's where we watched it and it was so so good and I'm so happy to see that she did this feature film because it's about it stars Anna Diop and it's about this um Senegalese um woman who's an immigrant mm-hmm. moved to the U.S. moved to, I believe it's set in New York and she becomes a nanny and for me as someone who's not only a black female immigrant but who also has worked <laughs> as a nanny back mm-hmm. home in Barbados and then after I moved here to Canada that was one of the jobs I had when I first moved here, I was like, yeah, I relate to this so much. There's so many things that she got right um, with regards to how Black women are treated in these jobs, especially mm-hmm. by white um, employers and by white men and white women. And it talks about the microaggressions. But then it, she talks a lot about how the immigrant experience also is so much to handle. Like being an immigrant is a lot to handle emotionally and mentally. And she talks about that. She uses um, the folklore of Anansi the oh. spider and she uses another one called mamawati which is um people call her mermaid but she's um she's like a water creature she's um in african west african folklore mm-hmm. and she uses those two um folkloric characters to like discuss like um the emotional um stress that women are placed under and top fighting strength and um through hard times and also through trauma because there is something that happens that there's a situation that happens close to the end of the film that made me legit wanted to reach through the screen and fight a particular character. Like I was so enraged, Whew. Mm-hmm. but it was, it's such a, to me, it was like one of my favorite films for Sundance and Nikiatu. Like if you recently, it was announced that she's going to be partnering with Jordan Peele and his monkey Paws productions to produce um, one of her feature films. So okay. I'm looking forward to see what she does next. And I'm going to be interviewing her for the podcast as part of my Senate's coverage. And oh, I'm going to be love that. I'm so excited. And I'm going to be interviewing the costume director, Charlize Antoinette, about how she uses um, the costumes to tell the story. Because I think like, she uses the costume design in this film 
really well to like talk about the characters and also the culture and the and the stories being told Mm -hmm. and I just think it's beautifully shot too and Anna Diop is amazing and like she's so good she's so good Mm -hmm. it was just amazing to see that story and um, I'm not it hasn't been acquired yet as while we're recording it hasn't been acquired yet um, for distribution and I hope it really does I hope it goes to a really good um, studio that will do it justice with regards to product um, distribution and the other film that I will I want to talk about is another film is a film called um, After Yang and it's written and directed by Koganada um, and so this film was premiered at Cannes I believe and it got like critical acclaim like from the moment it was um, premiered it premiered at Cannes and then for and I but I didn't really know much about it because like it was like kind of like there wasn't really much said about it, even though like uh, so many critics were praising that they weren't really like talking about the film itself. Right, and then right. when I watched it, I was like, this film is so beautiful. And it's and it's so endearing and sweet. It stars Colin Firth, Jodie Turner-Smith, and um Justin H. Min, who is who um is a he who stars in um Umbrella Academy. He's okay. one of the kids in Umbrella Academy. He's so good. And I think this cast, this is such a great ensemble cast because it's a multi uh, multiracial and multicultural cast, right? Mm-hmm. And it talks about grief and, but it talks about grief in different ways because I, to me, like the funny thing with a lot of the films that I saw Sundance, a lot of them talked about grief. As one of my favorite films the last few years um, have talked a lot about grief, but how grief can manifest in different ways and how you can grieve different situations. Like the very first film I watched for 2022 was Drive My Car. Um, and that's one that talks about grief and re- and resentment and how we as people can grieve different situations. And after any, it's the same because it talks about loss and death and what makes us human, right? And what it means to be a human and what it means to have family connections and forming bonds with people. But it also, I think, very smartly talks about um, immigration and how, especially people who, um, and it talks about transracial adoptees and transracial um, immigration. So it, and I think it's set in the future. It's, it's a sci-fi film, but it's so beautiful. And it just like, it made me like tear up. And like there were scenes and I was just like, oh my gosh. And the casting, like Colin Firth. I keep, I keep, it's not Colin Firth. It's um, Colin Farrell. Colin Farrell. I, okay. Yeah, my brain. Sorry, everyone. My brain has been super weird lately, but he's such a great actor. Yeah. And he, like, he is. And I don't think Hollywood appreciates like, what he does as, a, as an actor. Like, he's so nuanced in his performance with this. And there's mm-hmm. a scene between him and Justin where they talk about, um, about family and identity. And they use tea as an analogy. Like they're talking about making tea, right? About how like, the process of making tea and like mm-hmm. we're like a particular type of tea. And like in this discussion, like anyone who's an immigrant right and anyone who's a person of color can like hear this this conversation and extrapolate what the true meaning is and I think it's such a great how Coconata uses um these kind of things like talking about tea and grafting of trees to make new facts like to use as analogies for families and like creating new bonds and friendships mm-hmm. and um the costume design for this film is so good and the set design is beautiful it's simple it's like natural and it's just like clean. And it, the, I, when I watched this, I just kept thinking the set design and the costuming made me feel at ease mm-hmm. and comforted. Like I would live in this house that I made. And I did speak to the um, co- the production designer 
um, Christine and like you can, I'll, I'll provide the link for that in the blog notes too, because I spoke to her for the podcast and we talked a bit, of, we talked a lot about how um, set designers do work in um, concert with not only the directors, of course, but also the costume designers to like, to make everything function at work. Because I don't think a lot of people realize that costuming and set design actually go hand in hand, right? And mm-hmm. they have to work for the story. Like the oh, set absolutely. Yeah, they have to work. And, and it's done so well in this film. And I just love these two are like my there's like other films that I saw Santa said I love like um Honk for Jesus. Honk for Jesus Save Your Soul. Um starring Regina Hall and Sterling K. Brown, and another one called um Master, which is a, um, a horror starring Regina Hall again by um, Mariama Diallo. And another film that I really liked um is a is a documentary um called Brainwash Sex. Oh, man, let me look at it properly because I think I'm mixing up many. Um, it's by Nina Manx and it is a documentary about how women are portrayed in, on screen and how the, the technical aspects, like the film, the actual technical aspect of filming mm-hmm. women has created um, a lot of misogyny in not only Hollywood, but also in society as a whole because of like how women are treated as objects on screen. Mm-hmm. And that, and like, there's something like to say, like the way we are perceived, or the way we are portrayed on screen affects the way we're perceived in reality. And she's talking about how like directors feel women as individual body parts ha- does affect the way that women are perceived, not only in Hollywood, but also um, around the world because like so many directors are influenced by Hollywood filmmakers, right? So like she, she, she talks a, a lot about that and she uses like, she, I mean, she breaks down like films. Like she went through so many films and used as reference to show like how, um, it is like it's become so accepted in film culture to like treat women as objects on screen. So right. the film is called Brainwash Sets Camera Power. And the director is Nina Manx. And I would love for her to do a second part because like there's so much she covered in the first um, film, but I, I think this could be like a four part docu-series because like there's so much to go through because one of the things that she that could be covered is just like how people of color in general are portrayed in the same way, but it still has like different like um, um, iterations on screen. So there's so many things that she covered in this film that I would love to see more um, covered um, in other documentaries as well. Um, but those are three really, um, I, three films from Senesta that really like left a deep impact on me. There's many other films, um, but I'll just <laughs> stop there for now because I've been talking for a while. But as I said, I'll provide the links for those. And then I did a write up, a, just a brief, um, list of some of the other films that I watched and I'll link those as well and as well as of course you can find like um cut interviews that I did with other filmmakers um and creatives for the festival on my YouTube channel as well nice love it yeah I'm definitely looking forward to seeing Honk for Jesus like that one growing up as a pastor's kid I'm just like oh I can't wait I'm like I I like I think I feel like I talk about whenever like there's like that kind of theme in a movie when there's like religion theme but growing up in the culture specifically black church culture I'm just like oh I look forward to seeing what this is gonna be like (laughs) because that synopsis looks good so I look forward to checking those out um really good like any especially for black churches like even even if you live in like the Caribbean so many things about our I think across the black diaspora are Mm -hmm. so similar especially like things with church like mm-hmm. you are, and even if you, and even if you didn't grow up in the Caribbean, if you watch like, um, like North American, um, evangelical TV yes. shows or 
I call them shows because they're like they're like putting on a production with like they are. Jakes, a oh. dollar, and all of them ones. Like you oh have my like God. that's from you, that's from you, that's from you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Which reminds me, it's not the show I'm gonna talk about. It, but I'll talk about it another time. The Righteous Gemstones. Now that one's dealing with like white evangelical church pastors, but like John Goodman and a few other people, like very notable people, are in it. And it's a comedy, but it's also like, you know, dark mysteries, all this stuff that happens. I'm just like, for people who understand prosperity, gospel pastors, like, just like you said, Creflo Dollar, or what's the dude in te- Texas that didn't let people into the church when it was a flood? I can't remember his name. I know James you something. Mean, it was the James. one with his hair looks like stiff because he uses so much um, hair gel and yes, hairspray. Him. I but like, y'all know what we talk about, those kind of people. Like, if you enjoy I I don't know what I know what it is for me it just gives me a certain kind of gratification when we talk about like yes because there are those kind of pastors out there who will just like I'm in it for the money or you know like they they getting that money on top of spreading the word but anywho I don't want to go down that path um so let me talk about my movie so I like many people waited for this one to come out on streaming services specifically Disney plus so I saw it between the last time we had our episode I watched Encanto I believe that came out like on Chris the week of Christmas for Disney Plus. So I checked it out. Everybody is still talking about Bruno at this point. <laughs> like every time I go to Instagram or TikTok, I am seeing something related to Encanto. And honestly, it is just that good for it to continue to be like a topic of discussion. And like, okay, let me just give you a synopsis for people who haven't watched it by now, which I get it if you don't have Disney Plus. But also if you have Disney Plus and you haven't seen it, y'all missing out. But the Magic Girls are an extraordinary family who live hidden in the mountains of Colombia in a charmed palace called Encanto. The magic of the Encanto has blessed every child in the family with unique with a unique gift. Every child except Mirabelle. However, she soon may be the Magic Girls' last hope when she discovers that the magic surrounding I don't know why they said Encanto because I'm pretty sure they always called her Casita, but okay, whatever this summary is. It Casita is now in danger. Honestly, there is a character for every person in this movie, especially if you grew up in a certain kind of family. I definitely feel like I the, the reviews I've enjoyed the most are the people who have been from like Latinx reviewers just to get their perspectives, especially because like there are things that are deeply rooted in the culture in the film that I think is wonderful. Like it's a very diverse film. It captures a wide variety of just like I okay let me just go into the animation the animation's great and as y'all know for me I always look at skin tone when we do when they do animation and I love how the family has such a wide array of skin tones in the Mm -hmm. family and I think that's so important and it's very important for like none of them have that standard Disney princess look where I think People really need to understand that, yes, Disney has usually had a standard for how their female characters look. And I like that this one really goes the extra mile, like the animators went the extra mile to not have each of those characters have that baby doll face. All the female characters literally have a different build, a different facial structure. Um, Louisa, the sister who is super strong, her body type is so different and new to be seen in a Disney movie like this that I think it's amazing that we find out that her toys with her have outsold the toy with the other sister, Isabella, which again, it's like, it's not, it's not a shade at like the specific character designs. It's really a way to uplift and show like little girls can find 
you know, representation or fall in love. And these toys can like characters can perform well in different forms than just the standard baby doll face or, or Barbie doll. Cause even um, Isabella's facial structure is not the same as like an, an Elsa or an Ariel. And I think that's important again, because I'm like, we're showing different facial features that are specific to this group of people. And it's important that we can show like, yes, these toys can sell well. If we make characters who look like this, they will perform well. You do not have to whitewash characters for them to sell well. Cause I think that's like, we, we know this is like, that's a lot of reasons why characters are whitewashed or you will usually see a more fair skinned character. And like, they don't usually introduce, like in the last 10 years, I think we've seen it change and improved. And I think this is a great example of like, if someone were to ever say like, Mm, we should make her lighter skinned. I'm like, why? And this movie, uh, in addition to many other movies and other things, is a great thing to point to is like, they didn't have to make them light skinned to make the toys sell. I think it's just appropriate that we look, we push those boundaries more with other shows. So mm. I, I, and I love that. And then like getting into the story, well, the music for me, I liked, I just liked, we don't talk about Bruno. I'm just going to leave that there. I ain't going to go into that man because I ain't got time and I don't want us to derail the show. There, there's we, the, everyone keeps talking about, we don't talk about Bruno, but Impression. the Impression. is really beautiful. That's a beautiful song. I'm like, oh, yeah, that one too. Three. That's a beautiful song. Everyone keeps talking about, oh, we don't talk. I'm like, what? This other song here is a really fantastic I do like that one too. I do like that, that one too. But I was just like, I wasn't crazy about the first one that she sang about like the grandkid, grandkid roundup and all that one. I'm like, but you know, it's somebody's jam, but we don't talk about Bruno, pressure. And then yes, the one you mentioned that those are like my top three, but I'm just, I also identify as someone who's not crazy about a whole bunch of musicals. This is definitely a musical. And for me, I, but I like, I like this for it to be like a very music heavy. And it's, it's important that the music is heavy in this. Cause like they introduce so many different kinds, like so many songs into this movie the, the thing with the songs is though except for the ones that we mentioned the rest of the songs are just like um lin-manuel miranda's other songs from in the heights and hamilton like if you listen to all the songs from in the heights and hamilton and listen to this soundtrack they're almost beat for beat you don't have to know that lin-manuel like it's like make a movie and tell me it's by lin-manuel lin-manuel miranda without telling me he's involved that man needs to find another rhythm and some new chorus structures because all they did is slap some new lyrics on the songs. I'm like, really? And it kind of, and it, I like, I really like Encanto, but mm-hmm. being perfectly honest, like every time those songs came on, it took me out because all I kept hearing was the songs from In the Heights and mm-hmm. Hamilton, right? Yeah. And the story and is, I love the story because the story mm-hmm. talks about generational trauma and reconciliation yeah. and forgiveness and uh, identity mm-hmm. and acceptance. But because because the music is such a large part of the story that part it does bother me that he he gets he keeps getting away with reproducing the same songs over and over and over it's just like it's the problem where you have someone who's so famously known for certain sounds and like making it's a certain kind of music where it's just like i would have been cool with like a few of the songs by him Mm -hmm. And like the ones that I listed perfectly fine, but maybe like mix it up a little bit with the other ones. Cause I think like, same thing as you said, like some of the songs just didn't hit for me. Maybe they hit for some some folks, but they didn't hit for me. Um, but getting into the story part of it, I think it is a 
beautiful complex story like it's so many layers to it from like individual characters but like we have Mirabelle who's like the main heroine of the story and her like it's very easy to like for me it's very easy to identify different family members and myself in this movie Mm -hmm. for me it's like it's the way that I almost like I immediately thought Louisa was the older sister but I believe she's actually the middle sister which I'm like yo I can I feel seen by Lu- I, I feel seen by her and then you have Isabella's whole struggle and she's the firstborn so she's supposed to be perfect and she, so much pressure is put on her and like like she's she has literally spent her entire life having to be perfect it's not that she wants to be perfect and then you have Mirabelle with her perspective it's just like my sisters have these beautiful, these wonderful and beautiful gifts. I can never measure up to them. And she feels insignificant and she feels all this different way. And I'm just like, man, it just feels so easy to like, look at this family and you can like find somebody or yourself in mm-hmm. there. Cause it's like, I can look and see like, okay, I can see how my big sister might've felt the pressures of being the firstborn and me being the second born and my little sister being the third like being the last one like there's so many different dynamics going on but it was the way for me that I was like watching the movie I was like everybody has a gift but Mirabelle and the grandmother she has no gift uh, okay was, all right but I, know, but I understand why they did that there and I was just like I was so mad at that woman until we got to that scene I was like I want to not like you I really want to not like the grandmother and it's intentional. You don't, you are upset with her and you're angry with her. It's like Mirabel has every right to feel everything she's been feeling. And then they have that moment towards the end. And I'm like, yeah, this is definitely like an actual family. Like there's that trauma that everyone can identify, or there's that thing about acceptance from the older generation and the younger generation where like, they're just not seeing eye to eye. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And there's that division or disjointedness. But then like when you finally come together, that's when things can heal. And I was just like, wow, I didn't need this to be family therapy, but I, I appreciate it. <laughs> so yeah, it is very like um, in Abolita, I saw a lot of my own grandma and her and like even with my family, like I do like me and my family are don't always see. I like no family ever really does. They don't. Yeah. So, like, I saw a lot of that. And like you talked about like the characters made different skin tones. Like this is the first very, I don't care what anybody say. This is the very first Disney film after all of these years where you're seeing such a wide array of skin tones, mm-hmm. right? And here textures. And like one- in I a main imagine, cast, specifically exactly. in a main cast. Because somebody might say cast. like, oh, we saw them in this. We saw like some brown people here and some well, black not, people. Not, like, not, we, we shouldn't say the main cast. We should say the main characters because- Oh yeah, main characters, yeah. The, because point to that, the cast itself, the voice cast itself, right. does not reflect. Right. So when I say main cast, I definitely meant main characters. But yes, main. Oof, I'm not even gonna dive in because we know the how voice that goes. Cast is not uh, when you talk about skin tone does not really reflect the diversity. They put a prince of Egypt, and that's something that Disney really needs to work on because, like, yeah, they they get oh they get all the accolades for being diverse and stuff for the characters mm-hmm. on screen. But then when you look at the voice cast, like, yeah, you guys need to work on that. Because if you look at R- um, Raya, they did the same with Raya. Like, you got all of these characters that like, with different skin tones um, representing Southeast Asia, mm-hmm. which is also a problem. And then you look at the cast, the voice cast is like mostly East Asian and all light skin. Yeah. That's a problem. Like Disney can't keep getting away with getting praise for um, representation on screen and their voice cast does not represent true representation. Mm-hmm. of the cultures of the characters 
on screen because the film is set in Colombia, but everybody in the voice cast is not Colombian. That too. Yeah. So again, great movie. Things to things can still be improved on. Exactly. It's not without but, its fault. Not without its fault. But you know, if you want a good cry and you got family trauma, you want to unpack, have a go. <laughs> or just enjoy a good or just enjoy the movie. Oh um, my gosh. Anyways, yes. on to the next part. What have you been reading? Okay, so I haven't okay, so I'm not really gonna do full reviews because I haven't finished the books yet. But cool. this for January, I, or I should say not for January, for the year, I've made a decision to start reading, to try to read more books. Mm-hmm. So like last year I reviewed, um, Iron Raider by uh, Sharon J. Zhao. And my mm-hmm. first two books that I ordered for 2022, um, one is called The Disordered Cosmos, A Journey into Dark Matter, Space Time and Dreams Deferred okay. by Shanna Prescott-Weinstein. And I want to make sure I get her titles correct. She is a physicist. And she is an awarded physicist because she's won awards and accolades, many accolades for her work. And she's just fantastic. And so um, she's an assistant professor of physics and astronomy and core faculty in women's and gender studies at the University of New Hampshire. And she's also a columnist for the New Scientist and Physics World. And she's amazing. Like I follow her, like we're mutuals on Twitter. And it also geeks me out that she has, she's a Bajan, she's of Bajan descent. So yay! So I can't wait to read that one. I love the cover for the book. Um, mm-hmm. Look at that. That book, the cover is so beautiful. Oh, I like that. Yeah, it's so pretty. It's like a, it's like a black woman in profile with like mm-hmm. natural kinky hair and like her face is like the stars. And so I started reading the book. I think I'm about three chapters in and she's mm-hmm. connecting like um, astronomy and the cosmos to like black identity, which I think is super cool. And mm-hmm. the second book I ordered is Kim Ji Young, born 1982 by Cho Nam Ju. And this is... Uh, one of the most popular um, South Korean books in recent in recent history, and it's so well. It's, I haven't started reading that one yet, but I've seen the film that is that that's based on it that stars Jung Yoo Mi and Kong Yoo, and that film is really good. I'm gonna have to rewatch it though because the one that I watched, um, the subtitles weren't completely accurate. So I'm gonna try to see if I can find another version online with like more complete um, subtitles. But from what, but, but I did enjoy it. And it talks about how women in South Korean society are treated like people get all caught up in, especially for a lot of people not familiar with Korean, South Korean culture in particular, they watch Korean dramas and they watch K-pop videos and they think South Korea is K-pop and drama land. Like, you know, that all of the men are, the, are as dashing and as lovable and heroic as the men in the dramas. And I'm like, no, it is not. Like South Korea is an extremely conservative country, progressive. It's making a lot of headway, like progressively with regards to like technology, finance, and um, infrastructure, and like yeah, and their entertainment. Like you, like you guys know me, I love South Korea entertainment, right? But the country itself is still very much um, conservative, extremely misogynistic and sexist. If you just look at the men, the the people running for presidency right now, one of them is a raging bigot. He's horrible. Pray that he does not win the presidency in the in the March elections. Um, and if you look at how women are treated online, like bullied online, and like they 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 consider feminism, like actual feminism of rights for women, to be anti-male. Right? There is a legit anti-feminist movement in South Korea, and it is actually gaining a lot of like 
traction in the society mm-hmm. you would hate to think in 2022 it's not but it is like go read some newspapers i'm not surprised which like you still we still got to explain what feminism means when people are like y'all just want female supremacy i'm like actually feminism is actually fighting for equal rights from all sexes mm-hmm. um it's just been labeled that way and y'all don't know how to have you know conversations and read exactly but okay, but okay. Well, right <laughs> so i'm looking right so the book was originally published in 2016 and um, since then, as I said, it's been adapted into a film. And when this book was released, the mm-hmm. writer, who is, I believe, male, faced a lot of backlash. Okay. And then when the film was released, the film was released in um, 20, late 2019, early 2020, I believe. A lot of hate. The, 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 like, Gong Yu faced hate as, because he was the main lead. But the mm-hmm. actress, Jung Yumi, she, she got so much hate. Mm. Um, online and like, like people were protesting the film wow. like that's how bad it is and like that and it's and it, and it proved the whole premise of the book which is talking about this woman how she's struggling with postpartum depression and loneliness and like she's mm-hmm. facing discrimination at work and even her own um her husband's family discrimination because she um because she it has to do with like in like their culture like she the wife is supposed to, you know, look after the family, look after the husband and all this. And like his family didn't like her. And so she's and it's talking about the loneliness and like how that messes up with women um, psychologically and, you know, and like talking about discrimination at work and at home and also um, medically. And, it's, and, and to see like how the real life situation of the film being received proves the, what, what the book is talking about, like does show people like, like that's, I just want people to realize that, yeah, like, please remember these dramas, fiction, pure fiction. And even then, a lot of the male characters are very misogynistic mm. and sexist. Like, it's not blatant, but if you pay attention, the things that they do and the things they say are sexist. And it kind of shows that how these, this behavior is so ingrained. And yeah. it's not only South Korean culture, but also like across Asia and American, North American TV. Mm-hmm. A lot of the, the, the love interests for a lot of these um for romance comics for rom-coms and like comedies or whatever like oh he's supposed he's the love interest and like he's great and so i'm like yeah he's also a massive jerk too right Right. so so that's just things i'm really looking forward to those two books and i've been reading um some webtoons i've been reading the webtoon for all of us are dead but the original Mm -hmm. title is different the original title is called our school today and Mm -hmm. their webtoon was originally published in 20 in 2009 but I've been reading, um, but it's on on the Webtoon app now. I'm almost finished. I started I started reading it before the show dropped on Netflix. Mm-hmm. And then they got distracted by all of the Sundance coverage. So I have to finish. I think I only, I think I have like maybe 10 or 15 chapters to finish, but they're like super short. So they're quick to get through. Okay. And I recently finished one called Love or Hate, which is a really good drama. I love <clears> to see <throat> that one adapted into a, um, into a Korean drama. And I've been reading another one called Semantic Error. And that one has a drama. It's a BL or what male love um, mm-hmm. webtoon. Or I think it's a Yaoi, it's a Yaoi manga. Yeah. And the drama has been adapted into drama, but I don't think the drama has been released yet. I think it's going to get released later this month. Mm-hmm. Um, but that one is like really good. And it's, and it's interesting because one of the main characters is neurodivergent. So, mm-hmm. and I, I kind of like how they're handling it so far. I'm going to wait once it's finished, I'll go into that some more. But I think that's it for the books and stuff that I've read. 
So it's not okay. a full review, it's just things that I've been I'm intending to read. <laughs> hey, I'm impressed because besides reading about operations management and regular management, I, I I rarely have any time to read anything. So that is why I love Webtoons. And honestly, Webtoons, hit us up if you want to sponsor. Because <laughs> I feel yes. like it's the only way I'm able to read things that are entertaining and have deep story, but without feeling like guilty that I'm reading something for fun, which I should never feel guilty about reading for fun. It's just hard when you have assignments to do in work and other work. But anyways, the one I've, the webcomic I've been reading on Webtoons is Archie Comics colon Big Essel Energy. Um, so yes. Such a, I was like, I was trying to, I'm like, okay, Archie Comics, Ethel. And then I was like, oh wait, Ethel is a character from Archie. Yeah. I haven't read Archie Comics in years. I, I have not read them in years either. Like I got into Archie Comics through that one TV show they made like in the 2000s and it would come really on WB. Oh my god. But then I knew about the other one because that would come on, I think, on Boomerang. I don't know. I know I, I was introduced to that one first, and I found out about the older cartoons. But like then I would read the strips every now and time now and then when I'd be in the store with my mom. So like I was like, okay, this is interesting. And I also like that Archie isn't the main character. Let's get into it. So the synopsis is um she used to be the laughing stop stock of Riverdale. Now she's a successful New York journalist with the I don't give an F attitude. After graduating from Riverdale High, Ethel couldn't get away from her hometown and onto her chosen path fast enough. When the mayor of Riverdale pays her handsomely to write a history of the city, she can't wait to return to take down, take down Archie, Jughead, Betty, Veronica, and all the other Riverdale natives who made her life all those years ago. The only thing she forgets to consider is maybe they've all changed too. So... The synopsis really got my attention. Honestly, I never thought of Ethel as being a main, main character, but I think that was probably one of the best ways to tell a story about Riverdale and Archie and all the other characters because Ethel's story has a lot to do with, you know, there is the character who was bullied, goes off, becomes a great success, and then she comes back and she's very focused, like, and, you know, you know, we, we've seen it before. There's been, it's been done well, it's been done badly. I'm looking at you, that Netflix show with Debbie Ryan, and she was the big girl who had her jaw wired shut, and then she becomes a villain. I don't know. I ain't been able to watch past that show. It's 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 not good. <laughs> Maybe it's changed. I just don't like that revenge of like I'm hot now, where like you know that where it's like Ethel was like when they okay so big Ethel let me just definitely describe so in this series Ethel was always like big tall lanky she had a tomboyish figure she was made for in front of it primarily by Veronica because Veronica is quite frankly terrible most of the time but I think it's as good as something where you have these characters that, you know, people may be familiar with how they are, like primarily from the Archie comics. And then you're able to tell an original story with a character who wasn't necessarily a main character and has the perspective of these characters that we, the audience also do like Archie. Oh yeah. He was super popular. Betty also in that circle of being popular and, you know, Jughead and them. So what I didn't expect was for the story to really grab me with, you know, Ethel, as much as she's grown into her own career and her own person, and she has found value in herself, she has not been able to date anyone. So there's that aspect of it. So while she has had that trauma from like what happened in high school with them, 
there's this whole thing of like what she's working on with herself is that like she's had her bout of trauma with like dating and relationships where she it's to the point where like she can't even tell when a man is earnestly like into her and it's not like in this oh I'm just so clueless that he likes me it's more like that she just still has as much as she knows that she's beautiful that she's that that she has value in herself and all her abilities she feels like why would they want to date me like what do you mean? Because she's had men like it's there's a one chapter where she talks about like how the ways that men have like used her for companionship and have made her feel like they're interested. And then when she tries to take a step forward, she gets shut down and she recoils back to that trauma from high school, which I think is relatable to various people where it's like, yeah, I've I'm successful or like I have value in myself. I know I'm valuable, but like dating and relationships in the year of 20 in the year of the 2020s shoot in the last 20 years has been nightmarish for me and I'm sure for other people could I think y'all can just be seen by Ethel if y'all have ever dealt with oh have has a man like talked to you just out of companionship and you thought like oh did he like you and you want to actually become something more but no you you just wanted somebody to text it like all day of, and like to have companionship until like the girl that you really wanted was available mm-hmm. that's happened to me I'm getting specific but it's yeah. like yeah it, it happens and it's it's a nightmare dating honestly sometimes and I'm like you know what I like Ethel I like her as the main character um there is like some romances it's kind of it does play with that like well ooh, there's a guy there's a few people who are interested in flirting with Ethel who will she end up with what I wasn't expecting is that Jughead and her have beef well, Jughead basically got beef with her. Apparently, Ethel liked Jughead. Jughead embarrassed the hell out of her in high school. And he's he's just like keeping his distance and acting like she did something wrong to him. So I'm like, mm-hmm. what is the beef? What is going on? A lot in the original comics. So in the original comics, like the ones I read like when I in like the 90s mm-hmm. when I was in school, that's how it was a lot because like Ethel liked Jughead. And mm-hmm. they they kind of did the whole trope where she's like the desperate girl who can't take hints. Mm-hmm. And and it was like, he never really, really liked her, but she was super clingy and she didn't know how to take hints. And I never liked that. Yeah. And so that it kind of seems like that's kind of what they did, but they just kind of updated it a bit. They definitely updated it where it's like, it was in this one, it's not that she was desperate. It's more so that she did not know how to tell him that she liked them. And so like mm-hmm. she tried different ways. He's just clueless and didn't like, didn't see didn't see it and then like when she finally like works up the nerve to like ask him if he wants to dance at a, at the school dance and then he just kind of like like he really embarrasses her and then oh the one that starts the book off is that like she's working at the movie theater Archie asked for movie tickets for them to go to the movies and Jughead was like what do you mean it's just supposed to be three tickets for him and Veronica and Jughead mm-hmm. so Ethel's there and she's like wow I thought I was included and I was going with you guys and it's just like Archie does that oh I didn't know my bad I meant that must have messed up so basically not taking responsibility for like y'all basically was using the girl yep and Jughead embarrassed the heck out of her Veronica was being Veronica the jerk and it's just but it's interesting to see like you know 10 years have gone by she comes back to the small town um from the summary, it sounds like she and Betty had beef, but they don't. Betty's actually the only person, as usual, who's actually decent with everyone. Yeah. Besides Veronica. And, like, they've been best friends. But it's interesting now that everybody's grown up and, like, she sees how they've changed. 
And whereas like, there's still like, I am now 28 chapters in, um, there still seems to be this beef. How big is this book? Oh, it's not, I mean, it's a webtoon. Oh, it's a webtoon, right? Sorry, yes. It it updates weekly on um, webtoon on Wednesdays. Oh, so it's not completed. Yeah, so it's not completed. And I'm just like, see, this could go on. That's one of my problems with webtoons because it's just like, I, because I, I'm a binge reader or mm-hmm. like kind of like, not like for books, but I find for webtoons, like I just like to binge read them. So like the oh, ones I've been reading, I read at night and I would read like all, like one night I finished an entire webtoon. Yep. One night. I will read 200 chapters and start at 10 a.m. and go to bed at 6 a.m. <laughs> yep. Problem. I've done that before. And I'm like, I can't do that no more because I, I, I just don't have it. <laughs> yes we get too old for that but no I think this is like the art's great the story's very interesting there's new characters there's old characters I'm very much rooting for my ship of Ethel and Moose getting together because I believe they got to, they they didn't I don't think they were a thing in the comics so I'm like mm-hmm. I like this I like I like this um also if y'all are a friend of the Riverdale like the CD, CW show which I fell off that show a long time ago because I cannot I cannot. This was crazy. It's very crazy. If you just want something that feels more grounded, but like has adult themes and actual adult issues or real life issues that people have dealt with, this is a good show. And it's still with those characters. So, um, yeah, so that's what I've been reading. Sorry, my phone was doing some weird thing just now. So then, yeah, that takes care of what we've been reading. And I guess last part onto TV. Yay. Um, you can go first with your TV. Yes. Okay, great. Because I just watched them. So another one that is not completed yet, but I'm very excited about talking. I'm very excited to talk about is Vox Machina. So, all right, I just want to pull up my notes for that one. Ah, yes. Vox Machina, a band of eight unlikely heroes find themselves on a quest to save the realm of Exandria from dark magical forces. So... This is on Amazon Prime. It premiered towards the end of January and it's still ongoing. But what I love about it is that it updates in like three episode batches. So each week they have been uploading three episodes and they kind of just all lead into the same arc and build upon the season. So greatly appreciate that. Greatly appreciate that I got to wait one week per episode because I I don't have the patience. (laughs) I mean, it's not that I can't like control myself with binging. It's just more like with the way that this show is like, that it's been going and the story has been unfolding I'm just like I need to know what happens next so like mm-hmm. only giving me one episode that's really like 30 minutes is not enough for me but uh yeah so far there have been I believe nine episodes now with the last batch updating this week and if you are into high fantasy if you are into violence and action and I, I that's actually let me just rephrase that this show is very graphic and violent like in a, I'm gonna say it's around Deadpool level. You know, I saw somebody get smashed with a warhammer on their head, and we saw the brains come out of their ears and eyes. You yes, I saw today that a man got shot with got his jaw shot off, and you saw everything just Ooh. drop down. So like, it is very very graphic, but it's in that Deadpool comedic, very action heavy packed way. So like, you know, I could see people who are just like into high fantasy or if you're into the like high fantasy, but like, it's not like Witcher, like it's Mm. like Witcher, but updated language. Like the characters are definitely talking in a way 
that you and I would talk, not like in a ye old English angle. So like arcane. Huh? So like arcane. Arcane. Mm, some do, some don't. Yeah, because arcane, arcane is like, you know, like they wear like period outfit like clothing, right? Yes. Yeah. So but that's the setting, definitely. Like modern language. Yeah, definitely middle, like, you know, think Middle Earth, think Arcane, think of those, like, if someone were, if we were playing a game of D&D, that's basically what it feels like Mm -hmm. when I watch it. It's just like, you have all these different characters. You got the rogue, you got the assassin, the archer, the, you you even have have the musician or, or like the holy person who heals and the berserker and then the, like the wizard. So like, there's like all these different character types and they all fill, fill in. And like, for it to be such a big cast of characters, I'm impressed with how much they're able to like give attention to each one. Um, mm-hmm. Like, I'm just so curious. Like right now, the way I'm thinking it's going to unfold, it looks like is that the first episode, first three episode batch, that was really focusing and building upon like the group as a whole. So they had to go on a quest. They like It introduces everybody. You got to know like their, who their deal is and what they are and who they are and like them as a group. And then it turns into them then becoming the unlikely heroes of the entire kingdom. So now they're hired for the kingdom to be basically their on-call guard, um, like above, uh, like they're they are the protectors of the land. Mm-hmm. Then it kind of now we're in a point where it's focusing on one specific character, Percy, um, who is basically this. You learn about his history. You learn about his whole thing and his his backstory and where he's from. And then the villains of this arc got introduced as having a connection to him. So I'm 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 curious to see if as the arcs go on, is that going to be something that you know keeps happening, where the backstory of the characters and then the villains, like, is it going to come into like no the overarching story, like for that arc, is it going to come back and be related to some past trauma for these characters or is it going to be you know brand new missions right now we're kind of doing the whole oh this character has a past with these villains let's explore their backstory so sounds like a lot of um exposition it sounds like it but it's not Hmm. (laughs) i think the way i'm describing it sounds like a lot of exposition (laughs) But the way they do it, it doesn't take up, it doesn't take up a lot of time. Like there's flashbacks okay. here and there. Um, I also appreciate that it's the characters will talk about stuff from their past. So you get a sense of who they are. So you don't necessarily need to know everyone's backstory right now mm. to understand their motivations, where they are in the present. Oh, okay. So okay. They, it's a, it's, I'm impressed with how they're able to juggle so many characters because I believe it's eight of them in the band completely. So that's a large cast to give a lot of attention to. Mm. They find I haven't a way really to do been it. watching much of the Amazon shows. I think the last one I watched, all right, The Expanse has ended. So mm-hmm. it was The Expanse has ended. And then before that, the last show that wrapped up on Amazon that I watched was Wheel of Time. Hmm. Yeah. I, I also was like, I forgot Amazon Prime existed because after um, Invincible and then after Harlem, I feel like I didn't really know what else was new or like a show on there. Like I, I go there every now and then, but it's just like, I'd be forgetting I have that app. They do not do their promotion well at all. They don't if you it. don't, if you're not tuned into a certain kind of timeline, you're probably not going to see them. That's just mm-hmm. how I feel. I, I learned about Harlem maybe, a, maybe like two weeks before it was going to air. 
and I didn't see any like sponsored tweets about yeah. it actually I saw it on Instagram more than anywhere which I'm like it's kind of weird to put it primarily like I just it's weird that I saw it mostly on Instagram than seeing it on Twitter also as much but yeah I I know about Harlem because we did a round table for it with the cast for um, mm-hmm. the Afri- African-American Film Critics Association virtual round table but before before we I got the info for that like I wasn't really getting any press releases or anything for it right. and then it's it like only- Boxing Day that was another one. I didn't see much about it. I follow Aja, um, the actress, who's the main character, mm-hmm. one of the main characters in it. I'm like, oh, you got a movie coming out? Ain't nobody told me. <laughs> like, dang. And it was actually, it was a very good movie. It was a good Christmas movie. I don't know what, I don't know what Amazon is doing with their promotion. <laughs> I mean, I think it's like, kind of like, I think it just depends. I I think I see more of it now, but I don't know if it's just because I don't see I don't see live t- like I don't watch live TV so I'm not gonna see commercials. Um, I don't be on time I don't be on like Twitter like that all day so I don't know if it's also that so it could just be like you know we aren't the tart we're not the audience that are seeing it because we're just not seeing it. Like if you ain't on if you ain't camping out in the timeline you might we just might be missing it. But anyways, that is my uh, so what ha- what was your oh also I I did watch all of us are dead um I as I told Carolyn before we started it was the perfect thing for me to watch to get through my homework yes y'all can shame me I watched it with the dubs on because I just sometimes I don't have the mental capacity to read subtitles even though I do prefer watching the subs better because I don't know the acting gets across better when you have subs on that's just my opinion but anyway we don't shut we don't shame for subs or dubs here or at least I don't. No, um, yeah. For me, I have to finish All of Us Are Dead. This show came out uh, mm-hmm. mid January. Yeah. I binged yeah. the I binged 10 episodes. It's 12 episodes in total. Mm-hmm. I binged 10 episodes the Friday night and their Saturday. And I have not been able to finish it. I have two episodes left. And somehow I cannot find the will to finish these two episodes. I'm going to because I do want to review for the um for the drama podcast, but it's just like Mm-hmm. Sh- I, as I said, as we, as I said earlier in the episode, I've been re- reading the web comic and the changes they made. I was going to ask you about this because I, I'm usually a person who would like to read before I watch, and sometimes I don't mind going back to reading, but after I've watched something, especially if I didn't know it was already made, like in a book. So, are the change because look, looking at it like first glance at like just the cover and the synopsis, I was like. Y'all changed character designs. I don't know if that was just because, like, you wanted to, to make it more specific styliz- stylization compared to, like, how they designed the characters. So that aside, I was curious of, like, how different is the story in the book? So different. Like, okay. there's, like, four, from what I've seen so far in the show, there's, like, four or five subplots that do not exist in the webcomic. Oh, okay. At all. Like, the girl getting, the girl giving birth, the mm-hmm. baby the cop and the guy like in the but in the comics the, there is no student that gives birth okay the, the way how the show starts out with the girl being sexually um harassed and bullied mm-hmm. that particular story there is a there is a sub a, a small sub story mm-hmm. that exists in the um in the webcomic about this guy who's like 
this this guy who, who is like a misogynist and mm-hmm. like he does like bully this girl a bit because like it's not like sexualized the same way it is in the show but like right, that whole right. thing with the girl wanted revenge first of all she that particular character does not exist at all she didn't make comic. sense in the show she didn't make sense except for it to put to drive the plot to the infection spreading that was literally but there's another character that deals with that like they so like there's like she doesn't exist in the story so like first of all having a female having the show open with a female character being sexually assaulted because that is sexual assault oh yeah it's sexual assault for what reason i don't know having her 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 breast bared all of that does not exist in the story so mm-hmm. why why do you put it in the thing that like, i read some a friend was supposed to send me a clip like so the director said he did because he wanted it to make it more provocative excuse me it's a drama about a zombie apocalypse where taking place in a school where children are being tormented and terrified that's I provocative mean, enough you don't really you know need to mean? make it provocative like I mean, and i'm telling you they did that specifically to appeal to american audiences and that's and this is something i've been talking about where i said like, mm. one of my main concerns about netflix in particular producing so many korean dramas and they're marketing it towards american audiences is they're going to add way more sexual components to them than is necessary than already exists in Korean dramas. But that's a whole different Because you can just day. make the girl being bullied being bullied without but, turning it to it. Because like I get that they were like, we need to go edgier and make it like sexual assault bullying or whatever. But I'm like, okay, but you could still get across that she was being bullied and threatened and blackmailed with even without even having that scene. We could have that whole thing could have happened exactly. without it even being shown. That's not necessary because remember these are underage actors yeah. and characters. That makes and me feel gross. Like I get it because like okay, it makes me feel different about that scene completely. It's not that I liked it anyways. It was just like, oh yeah, no, I know that insert like shoot. Honestly, it happens. It can happen anywhere where if a girl is being bullied, of course they're going to use nudes to blackmail her. That's something that definitely does happen you having that context i'm thinking of it as like oh yeah this is something that definitely does happen but mm-hmm. using it in the context of you wanting it to make it more provocative that gives it a different that gives it a different thing because you could definitely try to like pivot and say like oh we did it because we want to show that this actually happens but if you're doing it for the motives of wanting to make it provocative and edgy and edgy that's not necessary you could literally just say that they have pictures of her nudes or a video of her nudes or whatever I mean it just it's his if he had never said that I think I would have just continued to think of it as they did this because this actually happens like mm-hmm. with but like with that context and like that makes me feel yeah that's different. one of my main problems with like Netflix in particular adapting these dramas but there's that but then there's also the whole subplot with the guy who the, the dad who's a fireman who's like basically like a special ops guy because the shit he's doing Man. Let me does not exist in the again is a a character that that character where one of the students that thing he actually spoiler dies in the comics like it's the way like and he's not even a fireman like again uh, and the thing my problem with them adding these characters is that it prolongs the story more than it needs to the mom going to the school and the horde of zombies and then not not even seeing her son not even making a sacrifice it literally all the like the fire okay i liked the story with the dad coming to rescue the girl i thought that was a nice story and it like at least he helped and saved him and everything he did actually contributed to something but the mother that was literally just to traumatize that boy that was that was it 
a subplot that doesn't neither of those parents exist in this in the webtoon so that's right. again extra time wasted focusing on characters that are unnecessary i mean they did that story. whole thing with the and again action i could see why they did it with the fire with the dad because they like it, it it made it more um high intensity or like you know high intense but it's like right it's a show about zombies taking over a school and kids are trying to survive that was intense enough for me and the thing is is like what they have him doing is like the 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 scenes with you know the cop and the and the trainee the trainee um cop and the guy that they find those the first person that guy that they find that wears a stupid orange hat again another character that does not exist Sounds in right. the webtoon so all of these comical aspects do not exist the, the, the webtoon is straight up drama a thriller there's nothing comedic about it so like you that have these things, weird these i will say make no sense yeah i will say the thing that i found weird was the comedic moments where i'm like is this because y'all want to balance out like the death because i'm just i'm just saying they're not I, done they well. felt odd they, right they just felt like they didn't fit it felt like why are we trying to make a joke when <laughs> Like I get that they kids and they gotta process all this stuff. So I'm like, okay, maybe I'll just want to mix it up and add in something funny here or there. But it just it doesn't work. It's not like it's not like this is this isn't a comedy. So that's as, we, as much that's as they the plugged thing. in the jokes, it just didn't work for me. That's the thing because there are dramas that are thrillers mm-hmm. and even films, and that's one of the things that I think um Korea I would say particularly Korean dramas and Japanese dramas at Sela, where you can have like a super intense plot and storyline mm-hmm. and you can still have these very small moments that bring enough levity that gives the audience like a breather right, but right. with this show it does not work at all like it just takes you out of it and it feels like two completely different stories being told and again like this is more time being wasted on characters that don't exist and then like the whole thing with the politicians another subplot that don't exist there's uh, there's there's a plot with where like it's the government officials talking about how to control mm-hmm. the outbreak and like, what the steps that exists in the comics but that's not what they're showing yeah, in the no. show they're showing these these polit- politicians getting uh, political machinations and you know like they got arrested and all that. another p- subplot does not exist takes away from the story the guy that we mentioned before the, st- the female student that doesn't exist the other guy the, the other male student that that basically betrays her and is a coward does mm-hmm. not exist in the which he doesn't really serve a point until later on where he just dies and it's like okay like, whatever he stopped the other kids from getting saved why but what was the point what's the no, point no. of this character it's there are some points like that where i'm like i get it because it's a zombie show and people will just die so like don't literally don't get attached to anyone but he serves no purpose but some of them, like, right, the ones who served no purpose, like, honestly, I really just like the dynamics with the core children. Mm-hmm. And I did appreciate the fact that, like, and I, I mean this in the best of ways, it's like, you really did not know who was going to die next. And some of the, with, with that group, everything else, I kind of just like, I don't really care. Get back to the kids at the school. You know, there's that whole dynamic of them, like, y'all literally abandoned us here. The adults don't care about children. Like, you do, like, and I mean, like, that, like, that whole theme, I think they did a great job of driving home of just like, no, yeah. it's clear here that the adults are fine with abandoning children here and prioritizing themselves over these these young people. And it makes complete sense. And it's like, it was even the way that the councilwoman was like, I'm worried about my daughter too. Have you talked about your daughter at all? Not once. Except for that, tw- except for maybe two times you mentioned you had a daughter. Oh, and mentioned but you weren't worried about, about a kid. 
You got a kid? Ain't your kid at that school? Ain't you worried that you ain't heard from your daughter at all? Your I daughter is at that school? Like, no. It does not exist in the stories. Didn't even tell the fireman, if you get to the school, my daughter's name is this. I would. I was waiting for that. I'm like, your daughter's at the school. Are you not even going to say, if you get to the school, my daughter's name is this. If you find her, please bring her back with you. She didn't say that. She didn't even say dad. I was just like, oh, so you were, ex- you, you had accepted that your daughter was dead and you were fine with that. It's so silly. And then the other problem with this show, the zombies themselves to me aren't threatening. They're comical. Like they, they really? move to, so like, you know, there's a scene where one of them is in the hospital. The guy's mm-hmm. getting the MRI, whatever. And she, she, she skitters across the floor like a darn centipede. Okay, that I was laughed funny. at that. I don't <laughs> think these zombies are threatening because yes the thing with like korean zombies in particular like quote-unquote korean zombies is like they are known for being fast moving and mm-hmm. like very acrobatic like you know they get contortionists to play these zombies which it makes perfect sense perfect. but the thing with these particular zombies is that they're too animated they're you know like mm-hmm. the, the the choreography for how they move and the yeah. speed that they're that the scenes are edited at is just a Bit too quick for me mm-hmm. and it takes me off it i'm like i can't take you serious like none of you are threatening to me you're mm. comical they're like what yeah. a parody of the zombies would be the only moments that really felt very threatening was when like you know what just like at that moment when they were about to like be killed or like they're escaping because like in the library scene like that was probably the most intense moment for me right. where i was like this character is in danger if he messes up he, he he's dead he's just dead and so like that that was probably an intense moment but like it's the okay so again we've already said spoilers it's the part where the I'm just gonna call her the bitchy popular girl like the one who was like all snooty about being rich and everything and she you know every every zombie show has that one character who is self-serving and will sacrifice anybody else the reveal that she killed that boy Mm -hmm. she literally purposely infected him because she felt she was being bullied and everybody was being unfair to her that to me was when I said I just dropped I dropped everything I was doing I was like hold up this is a villain I hate her she's a villain in the book I hate her and she gets I hate her dealt so with very and the way she gets dealt with in the comic in the webtoon is vastly different to how she's dealt with in does she the, have a redemption um, arc in the in the in no the, she does not get redemption she does good. not get redeemed but the way she dies is not the same way it happens in the story and uh, in, right. in the story. and that's what because the way how it's handled in the story because it, it's talking about classism and social economic right. parties and that kind of stuff and the way it's addressed in the webtoon to me is done so much better because like mm-hmm. the writer makes it so much more plain that yeah, this yeah. is what it's about and it, like you have the other students discussing it mm-hmm. the other students like even after she dies in the webtoon the other students still kept talking about it because they couldn't understand like why is she this way right mm-hmm. and whereas in the show like they don't really show you the other students actually talking about her being a bully and about her being classes and like it just happens and it's like like there's no discussion about it. I'm like right. there should be a discussion about this but it doesn't happen the discussion was so brief it was really just like they finally stuck stood up to her and said like cut it out what is your problem what is like we are all in the same situation it does not matter that he is here on a scholarship or like it, it, it was just like yeah this bitch is crazy like there are bigger Mm -hmm. problems and it's the fact that like she leaped at she saw a way to to do all of this and I'm just like wow you were terrible and I could not wait for her to die 
Yeah, I I was just like fully invested in like, oh, I can't wait for her to die. And then I thought they were going to go the route of her getting like having a redemption arc. And I was like, no, 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 no. Oh, she doesn't get redeemed. No, but she, the kids, she, the kids in the webtoon, the kids do talk about how what makes a murder a murder in a situation like this. Right. That's and not happening in the show, but in the in the two in the webtoon, it does the kids talk about the morality and mm-hmm. the ethics of what makes someone a murder in a situation. And that's so and I think that's something the show could have done. And it could have done in that moment instead the scene that happened is that the kids are talking about her and saying like yeah I hated her and this and like glad she's gone where it's just like I feel like the show gave her the redemption but still killed her off in the sense that and I don't like that they gave her a redemption because of this it's like because she made the decision to like okay I will bring them I will make I will bring them food up to the roof but she gets caught by the other student who's literally a psychopathic zombie by that point and he eats her so it's just really like no 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 you don't get to die with your conscience clean because you think you were because you were going to go do the right thing because you would have been the right thing is you opening the door letting them know there was food there when they were in the room. But there wasn't even any food in the room. Again, no, there, was so food, many- there was food in the room, though. There was but I mean, in the, the-, in the web, I, I know, like, I shouldn't be, like, trying to make direct comparisons, but I think, right. like, where the, where, like, I normally, I wouldn't be harping on, like, if some adapt- adaptions don't, adaptations don't stick explicitly to the con- original content. My mm-hmm. problem with this so much, especially with other adaptations where they're not done as well, is if the changes made don't add to the story. That's my problem. Got the changes it. made do not improve the story they actually made it worse yeah it's like okay her withholding the food just makes the kids situation more dire that's literally it her her decision like her decision ultimately doesn't do anything and I was really kind of happy I'm like why the teacher sacrifice like I was like I was happy with her leaving I was like ma'am I, I know why you went after that child because she's a child and you you feel responsible for all these children but I was like this was a waste a waste like she she was a waste she she is not redeeming at all Um, i I would have been fine with her just such a mess like that show could have been eight episodes it was too long like it could have been eight episodes and then like we're not even we don't have to get into all of it because i mean like there like i said i felt it entertaining enough for me while i was doing homework and that's that's all i really needed in that moment was something that i could turn my brain off and just watch it honestly I've been wanting like another zombie show so like for me for someone who like enjoys this kind of genre I felt like it gave me what I needed it was pretty good in certain parts you know I did like some I did like how it sometimes did jump to like the guy who created the virus and like that whole thing but like how we got here like I like knowing how we got here with the virus because like you know in some zombie movies we don't even yeah yeah yeah. we like train to Busan I don't think we find out how the virus starts it just starts no in in the, in the beginning of the film it does hint of how the virus starts and it starts with the company that gong Yu's character works at that's right and then i also that's right they did and they, think they, they reveal that. they reveal it that it happened there and then there's the anime that also like adds i, have to, I still starting. have to watch the anime i should be embarrassed it's that i have a pretty good that. watch especially yeah, that's on netflix too right yeah oh no amazon prime actually it's on Amazon Prime, Soul Station. Yeah, because that's what it's called, Soul Station. I'm just embarrassed that I haven't watched it yet because Train Busan is my favorite film. It's a good watch. It's a good watch. Yeah, no, never mind. I'm thinking of like other zombie movies that like we literally just have no idea how it starts. It just because it's sometimes like you don't know because like the government, if something like this happened, like, the government ain't going to tell you exactly what the happened. The government ain't going to tell you at all. But I like it where it's like, do we okay, even, so like, the- for, 
for Walking Dead, do we ever find out exactly how the uh, how the outbreak starts? No, we don't. We get some kind no. of hint because of the CDC when they go to the CDC and someone talks about it. But there's like no specific scenes that say these are the steps that led to the zombie apocalypse. Yeah. For this one, for me, I was just like, so this entire thing started because this man wanted to make his son toxic masculinity. You know what started? No. You know what started? Toxic thing, again, masculinity. another change. That- another change from the story that doesn't make sense because they made him into a misogynistic um, religious fanatic that's not exist in the comic when i saw that i'm like you got to be i was very confused because i was like what does any of this have to do with any of this because i was just like so you so your son was was so traumatized so so in pain that he tried to take his life which i felt you know who i felt bad in this entire show those that one group of children and that boy that's it that's who I felt bad for because what the hell? Your father injects you with a virus to make you stronger, which actually turns into a, a, a freaking zombie. The man literally caused the zombie apocalypse to happen because okay. of toxic masculinity. You told your son, why can't you just be stronger? What? I, that does not, again, does not happen in the book. So I'm not finished with the webtoon, but I'm pretty far into it. I'm almost, I think I would say I'm two and a half thirds almost done with it. Okay. That does not happen because what happens is the the the, the, the science teacher, how it starts. So yeah, the girl does get bite by the hamster. Right. But it, he's the one who's trying to figure out what's happening because he, he found his son infected. And oh my god running, and he was running tests to find out what the hell was going on that doesn't make sense it don't make sense why they changed it then so like, that's what i'm talking so like so far like what he did is he left a message he left a note to the teacher and he left his laptop and he was leaving research so i haven't gotten to the as i said i haven't gotten to read the, the webtoon but so far like the scenes the flat because he does die and the scenes that we got he doesn't even turn so he's immune no, he dies. He gets oh, eaten. oh, but he doesn't turn. Okay, I see yeah, what you're saying. He dies, so, but he doesn't turn. Okay. Exactly. So where I am in the book so far is where I am in the webtoon so far is like he was like trying. He was like just as confused because he found his son eating his mom, right? So that's so like I I really want to finish because I want to see just how much of that particular aspect of the story they change because like when I watch I'm like this makes no fucking sense. Why is this man a Bible thumping fanatic for one? Religion happens nowhere in the web tool. And I understand why, because like, South Korea is, as I said, a conservative state and like religion does play a big part in their culture. Um, like cults, especially in particular, are like very popular in South Korea, yeah. believe it or not. Also but- the whole, the vaccine, like that, now that you say, because it was, I remember he's like, um, you, but you literally said you couldn't cure your wife or son. And you recorded that on the laptop. So why would you send the cop back to the school to get your laptop? Like everything I have on there is there. If there's a way to solve this, it's there. I'm like, no, it's not. They literally ended up having to blow everybody up and shut down the city. The city's basically not on the map no more. Y'all pulled a Gotham. Y'all said it's an inhabitable. It ain't a part of us no more. Bye. So we weren't really fully intending to do like a full review of all of us are dead but there you go everyone you have there it. we go but there's the big I, review I, I, I should make a note that i kind of knew this show wasn't going to be that good off the bat because the writer wrote um another drama called luca the beginning which was released in early 2021 and that was one of the worst dramas bar none of 2021 so you got the writer that wrote one of the worst dramas in 2021, <laughs> right? In this one, and I'm like, dude, you need to pick another genre because Luca is also a sci-fi kind of pre-apocalyptic 
Mm, drama. And that was one that had a really interesting premise that just went all jumped the shark and went clean off the rails like halfway mm-hmm. through the show. Like when you got to halfway, you're like, what the hell is going on? And you just watch it because you can't believe this is this is happening, but it happened. And I'm like, they were actors, these are so much better than what they got. And yeah, there, there's the writing. We saw how that turned out. Not so good. Um, but um it was like, yeah, no. Um, because this is one of those dramas like the more you think about it the more problems you find about it you realize like I said if you have something to do and you don't want to think about it that much you might you will be entertained like I was but afterwards you're going to point out things and notice stuff and you're going to be like pause because I was like yeah I'm just going to read the webtoon that's yeah, where I'm at read the webtoon. I'm just going to read the webtoon there's things I like there's things that like just didn't make sense with the yeah. plot so but, many things there's yeah. so many problems um so i'm not since we spent so much time talking about um all of us are dead i'm not going to do like a full review of any of the shows that i'm watching i'll just list them and you guys can go and watch them if you want um so i've been watching the ghost doctor that one is shown on vicky bad and crazy um those those two are korean dramas i've been watching kai x yuka uh mm. abu uh abu Ibon, so that's a Japanese um, my, that's a Japanese drama adapted from a manga, and I've been watching Line Watchers, which is a Hong Kong drama, which I am pretty sure is just one long big promotional video for their customs division. If you watch the drama, you know what I'm talking about. I'm like, did the government give the give the studio money? Say here, make a drama about our. You can get all of this money if you make a basically a drama about the uh, customs division. It's not too bad, but it's kind of funny. Um, it's not funny as in haha like a comedy, but it's just funny to me because I'm every time I watch it, I'm just like, this is a promotional video for their custom division. And I've been watching um a mainland Chinese drama called um White Women Love. So this one is I have to look up the see what name they what if there's a name for it in um Chinese, but in for Korean dramas, they're known as Nuna romances, where the female protagonist, female lead character, is older than the male love interest. So this one is like that. And uh, this one is like she works at a a company a tech company that creates like dating apps and so mm-hmm. he's the, his he works he's her assistant and he is the son of the woman who owns the company i'm only 10 episodes in and i think it's only 11 episodes sub so far so it's an ongoing drama so that one has been pretty good so i've been watching some like really nice dramas ghost doctor and i said it's ongoing that one is so good that one has um kibom and rain and it's really good it's really funny and um bad and crazy is completed so you can find that on drama cool i'm not sure and oh and um you can also watch it on ichi so that's iqui tv so that one is um you can find it on there as well and just those are the dramas that i've been watching recently and yeah, i said i'm not gonna know for review because we don't have that kind of time but um i think we're just gonna get ready to wrap up now and again everyone thank you so much for listening to us this is our first official podcast recording for 2022 yeah. so it's gonna be released in february because we were a little because we we're a little late getting to january but you know the point of the matter is that we did it um, yeah. so um so nisha you can do your wrap-up and then i'll do my wrap-up yeah so as always y'all can follow and engage with us on instagram or on twitter on twitter we are at shwh underscore pod carolyn can let i think it's just so here's what happened podcast on instagram um, you can also engage with me on those platforms at Nisha Plays. That's N-E-Y-S-H-A-P-L-A-Y-S, where I have been very consistent with cosplays. Also, it is 28, in addition to it being Black History Month, um, a lot of us cosplayers, but specifically Black cosplayers, 
Um, we use this month to highlight the work that we do for 28, it's hashtag 28 days of cosplay, 28 days of black cosplay. So y'all should check out that hashtag. You can see a lot of great cosplayers, a lot of people who don't get a lot of shine or attention or people who just love to cosplay casually. So enjoy it, check it out and support and follow those people too. Yes, and you can find me on social media, Twitter and Instagram at Carrie Sinish. So that's C R R I E Sinish one two. You can follow my um live tweet hashtags dramas with Carrie, where I live tweet the some of the dramas that I'm currently watching at 8 p.m. Eastern during the week. And Saturday night sci-fi, where I am my co-host, we host a live tweet of sci different sci-fi films and um, shows from around the world and on different streaming platforms every Saturday night, 10 p.m. Eastern. And you can go on my YouTube channel and see my um, interviews with film creators for Karen and Talks, as well as the podcast version under so here's what happened um on but why the podcast.com and you can find all of our podcasts on acast and um other on acast and acast supported streaming platforms and as, as i said before but why the podcast.com and um i think that's it for our wrap like we've been doing so good like nisha that she announced at the beginning did a script for a show which I'm so proud of her for doing and I cover Sundance you can find my interviews from creators for Sundance on my um, YouTube channel and I will be uploading podcasts gradually uploading the podcast versions of those episodes it takes time but I'll be gradually uploading them and I need to do better <laughs> with this so here's what happened Instagram account I will do better I will do better um but until the next episode everyone thank you for listening to us and we hope you enjoy the content stay safe bye bye Oh, 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 oh,